This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, thank you. Good to see you out. Made a good choice by being here today. I applaud you for honoring the Lord here on uh, the Independence Weekend. Why don't you bow your head here? Let's just pray over our nation before we get going right now. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for the freedoms of America. Lord, they weren't free, and so we honor and we ask you to bless our military today. Lord, we ask that you bless America, that it becomes a nation that repents and it turns back to you. And Lord, I thank you for all the diversity of this nation. We pray your blessing, your wisdom upon our president, the leaders of our land today. And again, we say today boldly, and God, we trust. And we're one nation under God, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, I'm glad you're out and about. If you need a Bible, get your hand up. Uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit about hell. I know it's not a very popular subject, but it is throughout the Bible. Actually, when you study it, Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. And so we're going to hit some things here today and try to answer some questions. Once you get your Bible, go with me, book of Revelations chapter 15. Revelations 15. Now, when it comes to heaven and hell... I got to get in my life where I believe what's biblical, not my personal preferences, okay? You got to really, really, really study the, the Word of God. I can't twist the Word of God in any way. And so oftentimes in our life as human beings, we have the thought that if I say this one-time prayer, it's nothing more than fire insurance, but God doesn't desire that we just say a one-time prayer and then we live however we want. And so throughout this morning, you'll see that God not only wants us to be saved, but he wants us to have fruit in our lives. He wants some things to be happening. So I'm going to give you some characteristics of Father God that I think will help every one of us. Revelations 15, verse 3. They sing the song of Moses, which had to do with the redemption following the crossing of the Red Sea. And the song of the Lamb saying, Great, mighty, and marvelous are your works. Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Now, that verse right there gives me a little bit of an insight of Father God, His character and His nature. It said that He was just and He was true. And so understand this about Father God. He will not do anything that's unjust or he won't do anything that's false because that totally goes against his character of who he is. The message says, righteous are your ways and true. So I'm not talking this morning about a doctrinal or theological issue today. We're literally talking about people's eternal destiny. So I want everyone of us to think this way. Lord, open my eyes and open my ears to the truth. Because this is one subject right here. That we can't afford to be wrong on. Now in Psalm 115 verse 3. It says that God is in heaven. And he does whatever he pleases. Understand this about Father God. He's the creator. We're the creation. God set the guidelines. God set the perimeters. And me and you. We choose in this life. Whether we're going to obey his word. That's why it's important for every one of us. To get a hold of what the Bible said. Okay. Now go with me to the book of Romans chapter 1, Romans 1, and 
I'm going to load you down with a lot of scripture today. And many of you will say, well, what's new? But again, I want you to see the word of God. So let me ask you a question as we get going here. Could you believe in a God that would punish people eternally? Could you believe in a God that would punish people that may believe in another form of religion? Could you believe in a God that would punish people even though they were good citizens in our society? See, I throw that out because a lot of times that's how people think. But in John 14, verse 6, the Lord Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. So when I believe the only way to heaven is through the Lord Jesus, again, I've got to live by that, that, that truth of the Word of God. And God sets everything up, and like I said a minute ago, and we choose whether we believe it or not. Romans chapter 1 We begin in verse 18. For the wrath of God, and many times people don't want to hear that. We just want to talk about the love of God. God is love, but there's a characteristic about him right here you want to see. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and against unrighteousness of men. So when you read that right there, the word wrath literally means anger. The anger of God was not at people. He didn't say right there, He's mad at mankind. He said that it's against ungodliness and unrighteousness, which both have to do with sin. So again, God's not against us. He just understands what sin does to people. What does sin do to us? The wages of sin is death. And so that's what God gets angry about because he knows what happens when human beings get over into sin. He goes on to say, and the unrighteousness of men who suppress Hold down or put down the truth in unrighteousness. So anytime I hinder the truth of the word of God, it's like I suppress God. Why would a a human being suppress the truth of the word of God? Because I would rather live by my choices of my lifestyle than to live by the word of God. I will tell you this, every one of us in this room at one time or another, you've had the word of God correct you. I like to say it this way. At times, the word of God is incredibly annoying, but accurate. There's times in my life I look at it and say, wow, God set the bar way up here. Keep reading. Because what may be known of God, the truth of God, is manifest or evident in them, for God has shown it to them. God has shown himself to every one of us, whether we want to admit that or not, And so when I look at what he's talking about there, I either receive God or I reject God. Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Since the beginning of time, God's attributes are clearly seen. And so what that means that his beauty is clearly seen. You know, when you're growing up, many times you don't look at the beauty of God. Just in the last few years have I really begun to see the beauty of God in the sunsets. I see the, the beauty of God in the, in the trees, the change of the leaves from the, the, the green to the fall foliage. I, I see the beauty of God in rivers. They're clearly seen. I don't know if you've ever been out late at night and you just look into the stars and I look at the stars and I think, there's a God that tells those stars when to twinkle. That didn't just happen. You know, I do believe in the Big Bang Theory. God spoke and bang, it happened, okay? 
But when I look at the sun and the moon, God tells the sun when to rise and when to set. And so his attributes are clearly seen. And we look at the order that God put into motion. Again, the the way the rivers are to flow. He, He put everything in order. So he said, since the beginning, they are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and the Godhead or the divine nature, to that they are without excuse. So people can't stand before God and say with an excuse, I never saw you, God. I never saw your attributes. I believe with every one of us in this room, God put his conscience within us. Every one of us. Now look what he says here in verse 21. Because although they knew God or they knew about God, they didn't glorify him or worship him as God. Nor were they thankful. You know, one of the ways we praise God is with our gratitude or thankfulness. Let me ask you today. Are there things in your life right now you're very thankful for? And there's incredible things in my life. But how many times do we show that to Father God? Thank you, Father God, for another day of life. Thank you right now. I'm in church and not in the hospital. Thank you, Father God. I'm in church and I'm not in jail. So every one of us, we have the opportunity to be very thankful. Now, look what this leads to here in verse 20. They knew God, but they didn't glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts. The word futile there means empty and vain, foolish. It means confused. It means perverted logic. Now listen to some of the other definitions in different translations. It says that they were godless in their thinking. They had foolish reasoning. They had stupid speculations. So he said they became foolish in their, or futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. And I believe this with all of my heart. You seek God, you'll find God. You pursue God, you'll find God. I believe people even in remote mountain villages that if they ever pursue God, God will manifest himself to them. And so again, every one of us in this room God created a conscience within us. And anytime I do things that are wrong, God, he deals with my heart. And he deals with your heart. And that's just the goodness of God to keep us right. Now look how he ends in this passage here in verse 22. Professing or claiming to be wise, they became fools. They became illiterate regarding life. And so if I suppress the truth, I choose to live my own way. Let me ask you this question today. Will God allow you to live your own way? Absolutely. Absolutely. I want you to think about that. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the devil didn't hold a gun to their head and said, do it or I'll kill you. No, they willfully chose it. And it's the same with me and you when it comes to things of God. I choose my eternal destination And I choose what I'm going to live. Now you can live however you want. But understand this. There will be no excuses. And you'll have to do the uh, endure the consequences of your choices. You'll have to endure the consequences of how you choose to live. Now go with me to the book of Philippians chapter 2. And here for a minute in this order. We're going to be in Philippians 2, Philippians 1, and Philippians 3. The Apostle Paul has incredible things to say. So as we're turning to Philippians 2, 
I'm going to give you some questions that I hear frequently asked in our society right now. People say stuff like this. I can live however I want because in the end, God's going to save everybody. There's many people that believe that. Now, if you've ever been to a funeral, that thought that everybody's going to go to heaven, it's almost unanimous in a funeral. How many of you have ever been to a funeral where the the minister that was officiating the funeral said, I just want everyone in this room to understand that Jimmy Jack is going to burn in hell. Have you ever been to a funeral and heard that? I want you to know this for a fact, that that Judy with the bad attitude is going to burn in hell. See, we never hear that. We never hear that in in a funeral service. People come across like, everybody's going to go to heaven. Years ago, I did a funeral, and one day, out of the blue, these people called and said, this guy, and I can't even remember his name, he did not have a home church. Can you do the funeral? And so I said, absolutely, I'll do the funeral. So I go in there to be a blessing. I'm doing this funeral, and after a few minutes in it, you know what I realize? This dude is in hell. How do you know that? Let me just tell you a little bit about some obituaries. Now, this may sound strange to you, but almost on a daily basis, I read the obituaries in the paper. You say, wow, that's weird. Well, the reason I do it is I like to see how people's lives were described. So you hear stuff like this. This is in the last week, the stuff I've read. He was a Baptist by faith. What does that mean? She was a devout Catholic. What does that mean? And then over and over, I see people's achievements and their accomplishments that are mentioned. He was great in the United Way. She was the founder of Make-A-Wish. Stuff like, he was an Eagle Scout. She was a loving mother. There's nothing wrong with those, but what we got to go back to is this. Is there any reference that Jesus was Lord of their life? Was there any fruit in their life that pointed that said, They love Jesus. Now, I read one yesterday, and this woman who died, everything about her was about Jesus. And I thought, way to go, lady. Way to go. So again, the question arises right here, does everyone go to heaven? Now, some of the scripture that I'm getting ready to read, this is where people get that from. Begin with me in Philippians 2, verse 9. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him, And given him the name which is the name above every name. Who's he talking about? Verse 10. That at the name of Jesus. So the name that was exalted above every name that God bestowed upon him was Jesus' name. Many times people believe that Jesus was giving that name that's the name above every name. Because he was the son of God. He didn't get that name because he was the son of God. He got that name because he was obedient to the point of death. He said, I'll die for him. I'll go to the grave for him. And so the reason he got that name is because not only died for every one of us, he took our place in hell. And so God said, I'm going to give you the name above every name. Now watch this. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. Now you know what people will say right there? It shows me right here that people on the earth in heaven or in hell, 
They're going to bow. Verse 11. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God and the Father. So many people, they stand on this. The problem with that thought is found in one word in verse 10 and 11. It says, and that every knee should bow. And that every tongue should confess. There's not one word in there that says every one of these will. Now, it's very clear in the book of Peter, chapter 3 and verse 9, that it says that God desires that no man perish. That's God's desire. But you know what? People will perish. You know why? Because they don't choose to receive him and live for him. Now, what goes on here? Turn back to Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Interesting words in this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this verse, and then I'm going to highlight four words in it. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or an absent, I may hear of your affairs, your lifestyle, and that you stand fast or firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So the first word he throws out there is only let your conduct. What does your conduct have to do with how you live? That's interesting right here that when I read this verse, if everyone in this world will be saved, what difference does your conduct make? And then he uses the word, uh, uh, your affairs, and stand fast or fan firm and strive. So what difference does those any of those words mean if everybody's going to heaven? Now, keep reading this passage because he jumps into verse 28. See that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way be terrified, frightened, or intimidated by your adversaries or your opponents. Why? Which is to them proof of perdition. Now, the word perdition there means destruction, but to you of salvation. So there's a contrast there with what Apostle Paul, he said. He said, some will go to destruction, others will go to salvation. Go to the book of Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Brethren, fellow believers, join in following my example And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Verse 18. For many walk of whom I've told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Now it's interesting right here that he says weeping or tears within my eyes of the ones who are enemies of the cross. That phrase there, enemies of the cross, is is cross-reference to Galatians 1.7. And the reason they were enemies of the cross is it says they distorted or they twisted the word of God. Now you want to see one interesting word in verse number 18 is the word many. Now listen to it this way. For many walk of whom I've often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross. Who's enemies of the cross? The many. Now, I'm going to reference two verses for you real quick here that has to do with the word many. In the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 13, the Lord Jesus said, Go on the narrow road or the narrow gate, 
For wide is the road that leads to destruction. And many are on it. And then the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 7, 22, he said, On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. And he said, but I never knew you. So again here, we highlight the word many. So in this reference here, when he says many are the enemies of the cross of Christ, look where we pick back up in verse 19. Whose end is destruction. Now this is what the apostle Paul said. Those ones that are enemies of the cross, they don't believe in the blood of Jesus. They don't believe what Jesus did on the cross. Their end is destruction. Keep reading. Who's God? And note the word God there. It's little g. Is their bellies. You know what that has to signify? They live to appease their flesh. Keep reading. And who glory is in their shame. So what people do, he says, is they go about bragging about all the shameful things they've done. Before I got born again and gave my heart to Jesus, I did that. We would boast about how much sin we did, but back then we didn't call it sin. How many of you have ever done that? What would you do last night? Oh, we got slobber and drunk. We went and we did this. We went and stole. We went and tore this up. See, we begin to brag about shameful things. Now look how he ends in verse 19. Who set their mind on earthly things. They live for the moment. They are more concerned about this world than worship. They are more consumed with a life of partying than praise. And when you ultimately look at what he's talking about, these ones are headed for destruction. Verse 20. For we are for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus. Now, if I'm a citizen of heaven... I'm going to live with heaven's interest right here on earth. And if you'll note the last part of the verse where it says, we eagerly wait for the Savior. Who did it say the Savior was? The Lord Jesus Christ. Does it mention that there's another Savior? No. Just Jesus. Just Jesus is the only Savior. So again, the only way to heaven is through the Lord Jesus. Now, I want you to go to the book of Revelations, chapter 20. Revelations, chapter 20. And as you're turning there, the Lord said in Deuteronomy, chapter 39, chapter 30, verse 19, I set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. So again, every one of us in this room must understand God gave us a free will. You choose where you'll spend eternity, just like you chose to come to church today. You made that choice. Watch this now in in Revelations 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and understand this, history is ended, and this is the final judgment, okay? And him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, both small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works. The things were written in the book. 
The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, when I read what John's vision has right here, there was no gray areas, okay? And what I mean by that is if my name is not written in the Bilham's book of life, then I'm not going to get in. Now, if you'll note in verse number 10 or 11, he said on two different occasions, he said, we will be judged according to our works. Note right there, it didn't say you'll be judged whether you confessed him as Lord of your life. Is that not important? No, that's huge. When I give Jesus my heart, he becomes Lord of my life. But then there should be some fruit in my life that shows that I've given Jesus my heart. And so that's the same for every one of us in this room. Understand, the day is going to come when you're going to be judged by the fruit of your life, which goes back to my conduct, how I live here on this earth. So let me ask you something right now. Is there any references of your life that Jesus is Lord of your life? I can tell you this in my life. I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. But there's huge changes in my life that I see the grace of God I see salvation working in me. Now, I will tell you this right now. In my life, God keeps putting me back in the oven. He said, you're not done cooking, buddy. you got a ways to go. And so he just keeps me putting back in and in and in. And understand, he's the potter, I'm the clay. But there should be some changes in my life. Now, here's a second question that comes off of that. What about a second chance? Is there a second chance? Now, every bit of this sounds good, but the problem with the question, is there a second chance? I can't find it anywhere biblically. I can't find it one place. Now, I'm going to come back to the book of Revelations chapter 22. I want you to turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 13. Luke 13. And I believe in this passage right here, it'll give me some insight and you some insight on the question just asked. Another great reference to that is found in the book of Matthew 25, specifically verses 10 through 12. That's the parable of the ten virgins. I encourage you to read it. Matthew 25, 10 through 12. We begin here in Luke 13, verse 22. Now listen to this real close. And Jesus went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and not will be able. Now, it's interesting to me right there. He said many. So the young guy asked the question, are few saved? And Jesus said, there will be many who will try to enter the gate, but they won't be able to. You know why the gate is narrow? Is because the only way to get into the gate is through Jesus. There's no other way through the gate but through the Lord Jesus. And so when we, we see people say this right now, well, there's a lot of different ways to God. There's a lot of different religions, but we pray to the same God. That's not true. If you believe the Bible. And if you don't, I respect your opinion, 
But if you live by the word of God, I got to understand what he just said. Verse 25. When once the master of the house has risen up and he shut the door and you begin to, to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. He will answer and say to you, I do not know you or where you're from. So once the door is shut, it's over. We get one chance at this. In our study here for the last seven weeks, we kept hitting a passage that says, as it was in the day of Noah, so it will be as the second coming of Jesus. I want to take you on a little journey just for a second, back as it was when the day of Noah. When Noah and the seven that with him got on the ark, and there were eight of them, it says specifically, God shut the door. And after God shut the door, what happened? The earth was flooded. Was there any sign that anybody other than those eight made it? No. So again, biblically, we got to look at it this way. Now, in, in verse 25, Jesus said something that I got to highlight before we go to Revelation 22. He said, and you begin to stand outside. You're on the outside looking in. Go with me to Revelation chapter 22. Hang in here with me, okay? Revelation 22. And I know I'm downloading a bunch of stuff on you. I, I will tell you this again as you're turning to Revelation 20. Uh, a week ago, this was very difficult on me. I, I, have you ever played tug of war with God? I told God, I'm not preaching on that. And he gave a pretty good tug. And if you ever get in the presence of the Lord and you hear the Lord talk to you in a very authoritative way, you realize he's God. And so he began to settle me in this area And it's just the lines of the truth. Again, I I don't know why we get so uptight and upset when people preach on heaven and hell. Because it's found in the Bible. It's the word of God. So again, I just open up my heart to this and say, all right, Lord, teach us on these lines. Now we go to Revelations 22, verse 14. Listen real close to this. Blessed are those who do his commandments. You want to highlight something here? He didn't say, blessed are those who confess me as Lord. He said, blessed are those who do his commandments. The literal Greek translation for this says, blessed are those who wash their robes. What does that mean? You know, every one of us in this room has a robe. And every one of us have stains all over our robe. Stains of sin. Every one of us. How do I know that? The Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what's the only way my robe can be clean? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So literally when he says their robes were washed, you know what it means? People who did something about their sin. What do I do to get rid of sin? I stand before Father God and I confess my sin and I say, Father God, I ask you to forgive me of all my sin, and I ask you to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. When you look at the word repent, it isn't just a verbal confession. That's half of it. But the other side is this, I do a 180. I say, Lord, help me. Grace me to quit doing that. So he says right here, blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may approach it, and they may enter through the gates into the city. 
but outside. Now remember a minute ago, he said there were ones on the outside. But outside are dogs. Now when you read that right there, understand this. He's not talking about your calling name Lassie, okay? He's not saying Lassie's not going to go to heaven. That's not what that's talking about. When you look at the word dogs, believe it or not, it was a slur that Jews used toward Gentiles. So literally he's talking about people that are Gentiles. He said outside are Gentiles. And outside are sorcerers, one who practice magic or witchcraft. And outside are the sexually immoral. And outside are murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. So whoever loves and practices a lie is one who will not live by the word of God. So it's interesting right here that he would say all this, that there would be an ongoing separation from ones on the outside. And so when you look at this, there's no hint at all that says, once you're on that outside, when it's over, you're going to come on the inside. There's not going to be an after-death experience, biblically. Go with me to the book of Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel 33. So what do we do here? I must distinguish what's true from what I wish was true. And I must live by the word of God. Now this can rattle you, okay? I realize this. I mean, when I look at stuff like this biblically, I look and I think, Father God, do I have loved ones that there's a good chance they're going to be in hell? Yeah. I don't know what everybody's done here on life. My grandfather, the one they say I look like and act like, he died in his early 50s of alcoholism. The only references I ever get about him was, one, he was an alcoholic. Two, he was very tough. They said he was the toughest guy in the county. But I never hear any references of him being godly. And I look at that and I think, but God is just. God is fair. Now watch this passage here. And I encourage you to read the book of Ezekiel 33. Part of that will explain to you why I'm preaching on this, okay? Verse 17. Yet the children of your people say, the way of the Lord is not fair. The way of the Lord is not just. But it is their way which is not fair. Now listen to what the message says. But my people will say, Master... Your way isn't fair, but the way you're living isn't fair. Verse 19, or 18. Now pay close attention to this. When the righteous turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, he shall die because of it. So think about this. This is a person. How do I become righteous? The only way I become righteous, 2 Corinthians 5.21, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I become righteous because of Jesus. So I've been born again. I choose to turn back to sin. And he said, because I choose to turn back sin, I'll die. 
This is a theological issue right here, okay? Now watch what happens in verse 19. But when the wicked turns from his wickedness and does what is lawful or right, he shall live because of it. So this tells me that a sinner who sinned and sinned and sinned, like all of us and some of us were worse sinners than others, but when I confess my sin and receive Jesus as Lord of my life, and I turn and I start living for him, then I'm saved. Interesting thoughts right there. What's a theological issue? Once saved, always saved. Verse 20. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not fair, O house of Israel. Listen to what he said. I will judge every one of you according to his own ways. So understand this. There'll be a day of judgment. And we'll all stand before God for what we've done here on earth. Same chapter. Verse 30 and 31, and I'll end with this. As for you, son of man, the children of of your people are talking about you beside the walls and the doors of the houses, and they speak to one another. Everyone saying to his brother, please come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. So they came to you as a people. They came to you as a people do. They sit before you as my people, and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. They love me when I talk about Jesus. They judge me when I walk like Jesus. This is what this is talking about. And it's the same for every one of us. People will love you when you talk about Jesus, but when you start walking like Jesus does, they'll really begin to judge you. And so when you look at everything that we've talked about, we're going to be judged for our conduct. We're going to be judged for our ways. And so I don't, I don't preach this to condemn us, to push us down. I believe this is to cause us to rise up to say, am I shallow in this area? Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.